1: good afternoon and welcome to the Marketplace. Coming up this afternoon, Ghana ranked second in Africa with 100% growth in mobile money services. We'll hear from the 2023 Oxford Economics Africa's report. Also, port activities in terms of container traffic pick up marginally ending July this year. Plus, Aboseo per Pass Dealers Association gives government and the Ghana Revenue Authority a, two-year, a two-week ultimatum to reverse some decisions taken to ensure tax compliance and invigilation exercise at their shops. I am Beverly Broome. Details after this break. Thanks for choosing us. Now, former president of the Ghana Association of Banks, Dr. Hassan Andani, is warning that the 2024 elections could pose a threat to the country's economic recovery. Data from the International Monetary Fund and the Bank of Ghana shows that the country is on the path of recovery. But there are fears that the gains made so far may be eroded because of previous election years' experience. Dr. Andani believes something must be done to maximize the expected shocks.
2: Look, I, I'm not sure people are in a hurry. We, we are, we're in a, we're, yeah, because we have an IMA program, which is just first review. We have elections coming up next year. And all the toss-up of things that will happen between now and January 2025. You know, let's be honest. You know, nobody's going to be rushing in, in droves we got to understand, of course, mining is doing extremely well, gold yeah. is doing extremely well, yeah. so even without invitation, they're okay. already and here. lithium and all yeah. the rest. lithium is coming up without, I mean, lithium is a global, you know, big demand now because of electric cars and all of that. So those things that naturally, as I said, in terms of global competition can stand with minimal governmental interference and moderated taxes, yes, will compete. But I'm not sure, even with this program, elections coming up in 2024, all the toss up, all the reorganization that will happen if any kind of government takes over from January 2025. People are just sitting now, as we said, rushing in with Cash. Even under normal circumstances, even in normal years, when the economy is you know, doing well by our standards and we have, we're running up to elections, we often will see even our own domestic uh, firms slowing down, not even to mention foreign partners. Mm-hmm. That's even under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. The circumstances in which Ghana is, it's not normal. We're we having the first government default in debt. We're having a global scenario that is very unpredictable, very volatile. So that kind of um, uh, you know uh, aggregate confidence we are talking about to get us going, is not there mm-hmm. at the moment.
1: Now, activities at the country's ports are picking up in terms of container traffic. This is based on the latest data covering economic activities in the country for the third quarter of this year. George Reafe Hasmo.
3: Bank of Ghana's data ending July this year, 57,000 containers came through the country's ports. What makes these latest numbers interesting is that it represents a significant increase from wars recorded in January this year, the numbers showed that port activities reached is lowest for this year and even since the pre-pandemic era. However, what has been recorded is still far lower than what we had the pre-pandemic levels that is January 1, 2021. At that time, 70,000 containers came through the country's ports. This should mean that we still have a long way to go in terms of saying that activities have improved significantly at the country's ports. For some, this latest development could be linked to arguments that economic activities are indeed picking up or the economy might be on that path to recovery. Again, what could be the implications of this on revenue mobilization despite concerns raised about high level of taxes at the ports? Well, some have argued that it could impact positively on taxes for the next half of this year. If this trend is sustained.
1: Now, the Aboseo Okine Spare Parts Dealers Association has given the government and the Ghana Revenue Authority a two-week ultimatum to re- reverse some decisions taking to ensure tax compliance and enforce its invigilation exercise. The spare parts dealers have described the exercise as intimidating and utmost disrespect to traders. My colleague James Eshen, who was at the scene, joins me in studio to discuss what transpired. James.
4: Right, Beverly, so okay. the... SPEPA dealers today from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. are their shops closed. And that's a signal to government and the Ghana Revenue Authority, indicating that they are on a mission this time. So according to them, there are a lot of nuisance taxes that government should definitely scrap. Now, they are looking at import duties. They're also looking at a high interest on loans, because according to them, if the GRA would come for these taxes... Then there's no need for them to go in for some of these loans. So, these are some of the basic concerns these paper dealers at Abusokai are basically raising today.
1: What's going to happen if their concerns are not heeded? Right, so
4: they're giving the government an ultimatum, that is, two week yeah. ultimatum. Mm-hmm. If government fails to address some of these issues or the Ghana Revenue Authority fails to meet the authorities, then they will probably close down their shops. Earlier this year, we had over 50 shops which. Which, of course, were being closed due to the same issues, and they are saying this time, if the same situation persists, then there will be the need for them to just close down their shops.
1: Have we heard anything from the Ghana Revenue Authority?
4: So far, according to the paper dealers, they've tried as much um, everything possible to reach out, but they've decided to relax on this. They're using today's um, press uh, presser as um, that signal to the Ghana Revenue Authority. They're waiting for the two weeks um, to end. If the Guy Revenue Authority or the government, anywhere from the government, fails to attend to their issues, then they take it over from there.
1: Right, thank you so much. Uh, James Shen is my colleague uh, on the business desk. You're still watching Marketplace here on the Joy News Channel with me, Beverly Broome. Let's go on Zoom and speak to tax consultant Francis Timmerboy. Uh, Francis, thank you so much for your time here. From your experience, what can be done by the revenue officers to peacefully work? with these traders to remove the allegation of harassment?
5: So um, we can only call on the GRE officials to be more professional in their dealings. And again, taxes are what is due to the states. GRE did not pass the law, but if you are operating in an environment where the economy is very informal, Task, ensuring tax compliance is very difficult. So it gets to a point where the officers will have to, you know, be more violent and also uh, exercise some discretion. But in this instance, we, if GR is able to be more professional, I mean, the officers, if they act more professionally, they can, they can you know, do their work and then proceed with that. I don't think that the, what the traders are saying, including the protests, will solve the problem. The law is clear. If you sell, you are supposed to issue a VAT invoice. And this is this this law was passed by Parliament. The problem that we have had is that those in the informal sector they are more unstructured, they are hidden, and they are invisible. So sometimes you need to be a little bit aggressive in order to ensure that the law that Parliament has passed is enforced globally. Tax administrators have difficulty in, in enforcing tax laws in an informal sector. But I believe that if GRA does more of education and also engagement and possibly exercise more professionalism, we can get the informal sector being compliant with the tax laws that we have in Ghana.
1: Right. But what should uh, the leaders of the traders do to, I mean, always work with the GRA in a peaceful manner?
5: I think what the leaders must understand is that tax laws... They were not passed by G.R. They are just—they are there to enforce. It. They are—they are like policemen enforcing the law.
0: Right.
5: So demonstration and all those things will not change the law overnight. If there is anything that we need to do, possibly, make proposals to Parliament to change it. We can only work together. And where the traders do not understand something, they should engage the G.R. to understand. I also call on the G.R. to sometimes also engage a lot of people. Uh, uh, most of the traders some people do not really understand the tax laws that we have in Ghana. So sometimes if they see you in the offices, they think that you are intimidating them. But if they understand the rules that, look, for example, VAT is not your money, it is the customer's money. If I'm buying anything from you, the thing is 100 cities, the law says add, let's say, 15 cities to it. Then I'll pay 115. So yours is to just collect the tax, you are an agent. So more education needs to be done. And if we do this, we all recognize that tax laws must be complied with. You go everywhere in, in, in the world, and tax laws are complied with. The problem is our side of, of the world where we, most people do not comply with the tax laws, especially in the informal sector. So they see these things as intimidating.
1: Francis, another thing that has come up is that the GRA is accusing the traders of misclassifying their goods at uh, the port. How can such issues be resolved?
5: That is, for me, is the easiest. The law gives GRA the power to slap 100% of the tax shortfall. So if someone is bringing chicken and the person says they are shoes and you identify it, just impose the law and then you are free. Look, GRA has also put in place some risk mechanisms at the port. When your container arrives, they may scan it. And if they are doing that, the container can either be read if it is red then it means that they have to do physical examination if it is green it means that your your transactions are clean it has to go if it is yellow it can be a mixture of both physical and then uh, documentation so if a trader has misclassified the item and your system or risk assessment picks it up you slap the penalty on the person for me i think that this is a, this is an easy tax for gra if someone misclassified the law is clear if someone pro- or provides Misleading or false information, the penalty is hundred percent, or in a, especially if it is without reasonable uh, uh, excuse, and in any other case, it is thirty percent. So why don't we go ahead and then enforce the law?
1: Right now, the traders also say that they do not like the practice where tax officers are stationed at their shops to monitor the activities. What do you think can be done electronically to remove the tax officers from the shop? Of uh,
4: these traders, I I think um,
5: it it looks intimidating because if GRI officer, I don't know how many of them maybe at the shop at a particular time, and again, Mm -hmm. how sustainable this is, and how many shops we can cover at a time. So last year, September, there was amendment to the VAT law where it says that everybody will have to now use what we call the electronic VAT invoicing system. That VAT invoicing system requires that every trader must sign onto the GRE system. So as and when you are selling, then GRA has visibility of what you are selling onto their platform. I think that if you're able to roll it out electronically and everybody signs on, we can you know, remove these human barriers. And that may also be more sustainable. The problem is how do we ensure that everybody Every business signs on to this electronic VAT invoicing system. Remember, failure to sign on can lead you to imprisonment of up to five years. So we will continue to call on the JRA to ensure that this eVAT system is rolled out successfully. Then we wouldn't need people in the offices to cause intimidation in some way.
1: Right, we appreciate your time here. Francis Timoboy is a tax consultant helping us to understand uh, these tax issues that have come up. Now, the Chartered Institute of Marketing Ghana has called for the appointment of marketing professionals to lead the revival of poor-performing state-owned institutions. Its president, Dr. Daniel Kasati, made the call at the 34th CIMG National Award Ceremony in Accra. Here's more in this report. The 34th Chartered Institute of Marketing Ghana's annual national awards honored over 50 companies and individuals for the outstanding. Don't
0: you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes. Only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.
1: Marketing performance in 2022. The prestigious award saw various men and women as well as companies recognized for using effective marketing to champion the growth of companies, product and goodwill causes even under the very tiring period of global economic challenges. Here's the national president of CIMG, Dr. Daniel Kasati, who called for the appointment of marketing professionals to stir a revival of poor-performing state-owned enterprises.
6: Ghana has over the years been grappling with poor-performing state-owned enterprises. We can count very few of such institutions that have behaved differently and stood out very tall among their peers. advocated for the appointment of marketers, or at least people who understand the essence of marketing, at the help of poorly performing institutions, particularly these state owned ones. History points us to the good work that our good old professors, Stephen Benadet, did at Gimpa.
1: Special guest of honor, Professor Abednego Damate, urged government captains of industry to use marketing as a tool to champion economic recovery.
6: Marketing is not merely about selling products or services. It is not about that. That can drive economic recovery by fostering innovation, promoting. Customer centric policies, creating new opportunities, adapting to changing consumer behaviors, leveraging digital technologies, marketing a pivotal role in revitalizing economies and helping businesses emerge stronger.
1: Marketing Man of the Year and CEO of GB Foods, Mr. David Aflu spoke to Joy Business after the event.
6: We really, really reviewed the entire marketing mix. The entire marketing mix. So from your products, how they are formulated, how they are packaged, how they are sized, to your sourcing, to your pricing, to your value chain in terms of your whole route to market. And we did a lot of investment, for example, behind our brands, behind our in, in our sourcing, we had to make some major changes in our sourcing to be able to get some significant efficiencies. CEO of Vodafone Ghana, Patricia
1: Obonai, was adjudged the Marketing Woman of the Year.
5: It's a great opportunity for other people to recognize the work that you have done. And this is not about Patricia, this is about my... and how much support they give me to be able to deliver as a leader of the business. The turnaround that we have seen in Vodafone Ghana, for me, is phenomenal. And for it to be recognized on such a platform um, cannot be described. I'm really, really grateful for this award.
1: Nana Esilfwa Tamaklu, Director, Marketing and Corporate Affairs at APSA Ghana, was named Marketing Practitioner of the Year 2022. Other award winners included Unilever Ghana, Melcom Group, bulk oil storage and transport company as well as mtn ghana now ghana is ranked second behind cote d'ivoire in africa in terms of growth of mobile money services that's according to the 2023 oxford economics africa's report titled the africa risk reward index the report is coming despite the existence of the electronic transfer levy here's more in this report
7: According to the report, the value of mobile money transactions in Ghana and Senegal are well above 100% in relation to the size of the economies. In terms of mobile money accounts per 1,000 adults, the country placed second behind Côte d'Ivoire. With regard to mobile money agents per 1,000 adults, Ghana was ranked second. Senegal placed first in this regard. The report stated that there seems to be an inverse relationship between the maturity of a country's financial sector and the uptake of mobile money services, an indicative of the need and desire to leapfrog traditional financial infrastructure. Total mobile money transactions in the country in the first eight months of 2023 hit a record 1.190 trillion CDs according to the bank of ghana active mobile money accounts as of august this year stood at twenty one point six million while active agents stood at five hundred and fifty six thousand the twenty twenty three oxford economics Africa's report examined the profits of pitfalls of polarization in each african country african-led security interventions and how african countries are financing for the future
1: I'm joined on Zoom by a senior finance lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Benjamin Amwa. Doc, thank you so much uh, for your time. Is this surprising to you, and what does this mean to the Ghanaian economy?
6: Thank you very much. It's, it's not surprising, because if you look at the trend of global financial services, and you look at the history from Kenya and PESA all the way to Ghana and across especially sub-Saharan African countries, you can clearly see that there was going to be a huge growth in the usage of mobile financial services. There reason is simple thing. If you look at sub-Saharan Africa and if you take out South Africa, realize that infrastructure wise, this region of the world is lacking. Now when it comes to financial services. The traditional mode of financial services has been brick and mortar, where a bank must establish a branch, and then from that branch, provide banking service or financial services, including even the microfinance institutions. Now they are coming into being of mobile phone and the uptake in mobile phone usage, and mobile phone becoming the tool for payment now in the form of mobile money, etc then all that one needs is just the network connection and that particular infrastructure to support the transfer and the usage of mobile phones or mobile money as a means of payment. In that regard, you don't need that huge infrastructure, the brick and mortar infrastructure, to effect payment across regions or across countries. So if you look at Ghana in particular, our banks are very choosy when it comes to where they will site their branches. But when it comes to mobile money and its infrastructure, all you need is an umbrella, a desk, and a table, and a chair. And that is enough for you to either receive deposits or to effect payment by way of mobile money. And this one is a low-cost means of providing that or this particular financial service. Hence, it can be done anywhere, it can be done anywhere and by anybody in the country. No wonder the uptake has been that huge and the success story is what we are seeing currently in Ghana, and not only in Ghana, across many African countries.
1: Doc, as a country, do you think that we have taken advantage of the significant growth in mobile money services?
6: Absolutely, we we have taken advantage, and we are still taking advantage of it. In fact, the easiest one you can look at is the convenience to effect payment, that is one. Two, you can also look at the employment that this particular innovative service is providing all of us, even our family members. You can also talk about recently the aid levy that the country is raking from mobile money, mobile financial services. It is not as was expected, but it is better than none. So if you look at the fact that Mobile money or mobile financial services is providing employment merchants who are now being employed through mobile money. If you are talking about it helping us to conveniently send and receive money, if you are talking about E-Level, and the fact that many corporate entities are also using mobile financial services to effect payment, then clearly it is a good thing to have and we are benefiting. But there is a lot more that we can benefit going forward. And as the technology evolves and develops, I believe strongly that Ghana will be prepared to tap into the benefits that global financial services offers to any economy that embraces the technology.
1: Will you suggest uh, that we refine the e levy in order to rope in more revenue, or you think otherwise?
6: And that's a conversation that we must, you know, keep having from time to time. But before we will think of a reduction in the e levy a proper audit of the system must be conducted. And we must also come to address or to accept the fact that it is appearing that the e-levy is more of a retail-level tax that has to be paid and not the corporate entities because the corporate entities will always have the opportunity to make a claim for whatever expense they have incurred by way of e-levy when they file their tax returns. But at the individual level like you and I, we don't have the opportunity to keep a record of whatever transaction we made by way of e-levy and how much you are paid by way of e-levy to make a tax refund for. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the skill set to do that. But the corporate entities have that. And the corporate entities are the same group of entities that transact heavily in terms of the e-levy, the amount. So realize that we are going to see huge transactions by way of Mongo, but it will not easily translate into the e-levy because... The corporate bodies will always have the benefits of making a claim for whatever tax they are paid by way of 11 as a cost input in their uh, production process. But the individuals will not be able to do that. That is how come we are having huge values of electronic, sorry, mobile money transactions, but it's not really, really translating to 11. What we need to look at is to first audit the system. Once you audit the system, we'll get closer to know what is happening in the e-levy architecture. Then we can make a case as to whether we should keep the rate or to reduce the rate. But if you look at how much we need as a country in terms of revenue, it will be very unwise for the government to abolish or cancel the e-levy.
1: Finally, uh, before I let you go, Doc, is mobile money the new face of banking? And how do banks benefit significantly from it rather than uh, the telcos?
6: Okay, so this is how i answer it. There's no way mobile financial services will and will take over the rules of banks. Banks will still be banks, and we will need banks to grow our economies and to manage our finances. So it is just a product that has been added onto the existing products that banks used to provide. The only thing is that this time around, the originator of the product appears to be the telcos. Okay. But the telcos themselves are not financial entities. They're not licensed to be receiving deposits and be creating loans out of the deposits. The telcos are not set up to do that. The banks are set up to. That. If you look at the infrastructure to move money around, the banks have the infrastructure better than telcos. The only advantage of the telcos is that they have the technology and they have the reach. So the telcos provide the reach to those who have been cut out mm. in terms of providing means of receiving right. and for effective payment. Right. And then also for those who are underbank. So that right. is where the telcos have the advantage. It's about partnership. So long as the banks can partner the telcos, it's a win win situation for all.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Benjamin Amai. a finance lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. And that's how we end Marketplace this afternoon. For more news, you can log on to myjoyonline.com for slash business. I am Beverly Broome. Enjoy the rest of our programs.
0: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket?